0: Say number five. Sex, singles, Sally May, and Synergy. Although Tinder started less than 10 years ago in 2012, it already enjoys over ten million daily active users. Now you have to admit, that's pretty impressive. The interface it now has is iconic among dating apps. Swipe right for profiles you're interested in, otherwise swipe Admittedly, the app has gotten a really bad rep for being an app primarily, if not exclusively, for hookups. Evidence doesn't seem to support that idea though. research by social scientists who study attraction and romance overwhelmingly show that users are primarily on Tinder to meet people. In the digital age, apps like Tinder make putting yourself out there and getting to know other men and women a lot easier. To be fair, we know the same is true for hookups. For people interested in spontaneous, casual sex, Tinder makes that really easy too. And indeed, that's certainly how some users engage with the app. Although most studies show that those users tend to be in the minority, not the majority. Have to admit though, as a single man in my late 20s living in a progressive, cosmopolitan city with amazing nightlife, it's hard not to notice uh, the proliferation of hookup culture. Sex is literally everywhere. In 2020, it's probably never been more available or accessible than it is right now. More on that later. I mean, giving this topic some thought though, uh, and some related topics, too, I ended up using a modified version of that train of thought to distill, uh, the specifics of this essay. We're in a new era of history. In general, the institution of marriage in the US has largely unraveled uh, in the last 200 years. Once upon a time, women used to depend on men for their livelihood, property ownership, voting, uh, and money for sure. That's simply not true anymore. Women own property. They vote, and although there's a wage gap, women actually do quite well in the workforce. In fact, women now represent the majority of college graduates, and they've represented the majority of student body in higher education for several decades. As far as livelihood is concerned, this weakens the need for marriage. Women, in many cases, do just fine without being wed to a man. Now, I can make a similar point Um, about children. Single-parent households are increasingly common, with the rate of children in single-parent households almost tripling from the late 1960s to uh, to 2018. For instance, it was 13% in the 1960s, now it's closer to 32% or 33%. For women interested in having a family, they can do so with or without a marriage. In fact, you know as well as I do that it's not uncommon at all for many couples to begin a family together even before they get married, and that's assuming that they get married at all. As far as children are concerned, this probably weakens the need for marriage as well. Women can be parents with or without being wed to a man. But by and large, perhaps one of the biggest considerations that I think has weakened the need for marriage is mediums for physical and sexual intimacy. Now we know God is relational. We even see him taking various forms in Jesus and the spirit just to meet various needs in his relationship with us. If people are made in his image, that means that we're relational too. Intimacy is incredibly important because God has made us to be relational. I'm reminded of research by developmental psychologists who study children. When children aren't touched or hugged regularly, they tend to suffer developmentally. Now, on the other hand, hugs and physical contact increase release of a hormone known as, what is this, oxytocin? Um, Known colloquially as the love hormone. Which, number one, aids in the development for children, but number two, may help to combat depression and anxiety in children and adults. Heck, if that's what a hug or physical touch can do, imagine what sex can do, particularly with a significant other. I'm not just pulling stuff out of my armpit, you know, it's true. Elevated mood release of feel-good hormones buffers against stress and anxiety and perhaps the most important of all the need for physical intimacy and belonging sex in the right context does lots of good things for us in almost every sense of the word but with the on-demand availability of so many different forms of physical and sexual intimacy these days whether through a marriage a chance hookup via Tinder, um, a one-night stand with a friend or a classmate, a steady girlfriend or boyfriend, or even stealth-stimulation, that could be a dildo, it could be pornography, it could be lots of different combinations of different types of things. Lots of people feel their need for physical and sexual intimacy without the additional commitment of marriage. That's just the new norm. It's not gender specific although men probably have a stronger incentive to engage in casual sex than women do, but this is an increasingly common practice for both men and women. So people can have one, their livelihood, two, children, and three, even physical and sexual intimacy, and marriage is no longer the only gateway to assessing or accessing such things. I don't know if we would have said that 70 or 80 years ago. Indeed, the institution of marriage and society at large has unraveled in many ways. It's deeper than that though. We've also seen the consequences of dysfunctional relationships, marriage and otherwise. We can discuss that next. For a long time, people, including researchers and social scientists, Presume that being in a relationship was better than being alone. After all, relationships provide social support, emotional and physical intimacy, camaraderie, and the list goes on. In general, though, it's probably a bit presumptuous to assume that romantic relationships, on average, provide more of those things than an individual would have if they were single. But don't take my word for it some european researchers were interested in studying how romantic relationships influence our state of mind and so they proceeded with their investigation according to them their results suggest relationships are great for us when they're one long term and two when they're healthy in many ways though those relationships tend to be in the minority If the relationship doesn't last at least a year, or if the relationship is dysfunctional rather than being healthy, the researchers actually found that these partnered individuals had lower self-esteem than their counterparts that weren't in relationships at all. Hey, there's nothing wrong with taking your time. One or two bad relationships can really screw with your mind and your emotions and science speaks to that speaking of taking your time though uh, again these same researchers found that married couples didn't receive a boost in self-esteem compared to their counterparts in long-term stable relationships that had not married i'm sure some of those unmarried couples were living together and maybe they even had children together too i think it highlights the point i made earlier uh i I still 100% believe marriage is one of God's greatest gifts to us, but let's be honest, the way the world has changed definitely isn't what it used to be. The writing is on the wall. Speaking of married couples, they have their own challenges cut out for them. According to a study in the United States of more than 26,000 adults from 1989 to 2014, researchers found some evidence that married couples have been declining in their sexual intimacy for whatever reason, they're having less sex than they did in the early 90s. In fact, by some measures of the data, the psychologists found that single people were actually having more sex than the married persons in their data set. See, this is why I love science. I love counterintuitive results. If we stick with this idea that we're relational creatures and God designed sex to improve every form of intimacy in marriage, it's so counterintuitive that people are getting married and actually having less sex. Instead, we see single men and women reaping all of the benefits of sex while their married counterparts are doing who knows what after they walk down the aisle. Apparently they're not being physically intimate with each other. That's crazy. But experts warn this is a bad look for married partners though. Lack of intimacy is one of the most common reasons for divorce. Now, in the early stages of marriage, there's likely an infatuation with the partner. They're beautiful or attractive in everything they wear. Their physical shape is probably similar to what it was, uh, was when, when you were dating them. Everything about them is attractive. Over time though, without careful attention, marriage can become more of a business relationship you bait the kids and I'll do the dishes, or you grab the groceries and I'll clean the bathroom, right? And, and the relationship doesn't prioritize intimacy. Indeed, some estimates believe anywhere from 15% to 20% of married couples are in a sexless relationship. For those under 40, Presumably, those thought to be physically healthy enough to be sexually intimate, studies estimate that 20% of married couples have sex less than monthly. That means you live with the love of your life and you're physically intimate with them less than once every 30 days. Strange times, people. But there's more. While many people may opt not to marry at all, for those that do, they're taking more time than ever before to get there. According to a 2017 U.S. Census, the median age for men's first marriage now is 29.5, which is two years above the median age for women, which is 27.4. Now, researchers believe men and women will continue to wait longer to get married in the future as well. I suspect there are literally dozens of reasons why, but as a currently enrolled PhD student, it just makes the most sense to me to talk about school. My generation has the highest rate of college educated grads. A study by the Pew Research Center showed 39% of millennials compared with 29% of Gen Xers between the age of 25 and 37, have a bachelor's degree or higher. Education comes at a price though. Although aggregate numbers for student debt are somewhat limited, as of 2019, experts estimated for borrowers, for borrowers between the ages of 25 to 34, these are millennials, obviously, there was about $498 billion in outstanding loan debt for about 15 million borrowers. In case you were wondering, that's about $30,000 per borrower on average. Now I won't lie, that makes me sad. I'm reminded of a point Elizabeth Warren frequently makes, which literally blows my mind almost every time I hear it. She went to college in the 1950s and paid her tuition with a part-time position as a waitress to be clear even back then the wages earned as a waitress weren't just modest they were probably the absolute minimum nevertheless elizabeth warren was able to support herself in attending college she didn't borrow thirty thousand dollars to earn a bachelor's degree this isn't a post about politics i promise it isn't but i do use that example to illustrate my point My generation is straddled in student loan debt and in some ways the middle class of America is deteriorating. Honestly, I think people need time to figure out how to navigate this maze that's becoming increasingly complex. This world is changing so quickly these days. I think lots of young people graduate with a degree and are a tad bit idealistic. They did what America told them to do. They worked hard, and they got an education, they went to college, and then they graduate and work two or three crappy dead-end jobs for a year and a half, or even two years, before they find something that's decent enough to support them. But heck, by the time they find a decent job, it wouldn't surprise me if that stat has actually gone up. So you financially paid for that two years, bouncing around trying to find a decent job with decent pay. I think when you take this in addition to everything else i shared in this piece it's no wonder that people were taking longer to get married if they get married at all my generation spends their 20s trying to figure out career stuff while digging themselves out of this ditch called student loan debt all the while being exploited by various employers who want to work them as much as possible for as little pay as permissible Americans today have a different sense of priorities as well. 50 years ago, marriage was considered a rite of passage for adulthood. Today, research shows that Americans believe that completing formal schooling and securing full-time employment were extremely important to adulthood. In fact, Americans ranked education and employment as more important milestones to adulthood than both number 1 marriage and number 2 having a child we place a premium on education and we pay for it quite a bit as well i've taken more than a few economics classes at this point so i understand the notion of labor markets and optimization supply and demand curves etc yes i get it i can't help but feel there has to be a better way to do this why people are being crushed with student loan debt. I'm fortunate my dad paid for my first degree and my PhD is fully funded, yes, fully funded, but I know my peers are really feeling it right now. You know, I suppose I can't end a post like this without talking about my own social life. No cap, 2019 was hard. You know, I was talking to this girl and she started acting real funny. So I started acting real funny. And that (laughs) was basically the beginning of the end. (laughs) Long story short, we haven't spoken in about a year and a half. And it's literally the dumbest thing. And it really makes me sad. But hey, it be like that sometimes. Honestly though, Almost every crappy situation I've ever been in makes for a funny story at some point. So one day, I'm convinced this story will be an amazing punchline. Speaking of punchlines, though, people trip me out. They literally try and put me on girls for the dumbest reasons. Oh, she's great, bro. She really likes brunch. Oh, you'll love her. She likes to travel just like you. People really be out here trying to play me though. You think my forever love is just someone who likes to travel? Uh, Do you think there's any difficulty finding a woman in my age range who likes to travel or do brunch or any of that stuff? Do You really think that's what I'm waiting on? See now when I uppercut you, You're going to say i did you wrong but you out here talking crazy i don't think people understand that forever is a long time to spend with someone this isn't just a cute girl uh, i'm gonna grab drinks with every now and then or a pretty woman that's gonna meet me at the gym a few times a week forever is a long time what do we need yes i need a spiritually minded woman yes she should be physically attractive. Those are so obvious they don't even need stating, so we're not even gonna talk about those things. What we need is chemistry. People, we gotta have synergy. Now I'm a nerd, uh, so I'll take it upon myself to do the most. When I was an undergrad, I remember I had um, a mergers and acquisitions course as part of my finance major. Great class, by the way, great class. Now, periodically, a company will decide to acquire another company. Stay with me. I promise I'm going somewhere. So periodically, a company will decide to buy another company. So Google bought YouTube, Amazon bought Whole Foods, Disney bought Fox. You get the idea. The logic here is simple. We'll create more value together than we would separately. That's what synergy means. I'm literally better with you than I am by myself. That is what synergy is all about. Admittedly, I could have, and I don't know, maybe I should have used the word chemistry, but that would have thrown off the alliteration. You know, we got sex and singles and Sally Mae. We need a word that starts with an S. But if it helps you, you can just think of synergy as chemistry. But chemistry is everything, in a relationship. So, what does synergy look like? For me, I think it's simple. I could be anywhere doing almost anything with almost anybody, but more than anything, I just want to be with you. That's not just fluff, right? I could be working, you know, almost every weekend for the next month. If this was my first Saturday night free in a month, true story would I want to be with you? If I had to choose between a direct flight to wherever I was going, and a six hour layover in your city, enough time for brunch by the way, just putting that out there, would I want to be with you? If our date ended up being extended by an hour because there was a ridiculous amount of traffic and we're stuck in bumper to bumper traffic on the highway, again, another true story, would i want to be with you not trying to butter you up on some super romantic type stuff there are lots of people that i have to be with there are lots of people i'm open to being with there are only a handful of people that i live with it's a long time do i want to be with you especially because i'm an introvert i'm not trying to give more time than i have to to people that i don't even really vibe with like that do i want to be with you and you have to ask yourself the same question so often in these conversations about romance we try and get it down to a science and while i do believe there are good rules of thumb and best practices you can't fake chemistry baby we got it or we don't i want to be with somebody that i want to be with i know Uh, I I basically said nothing, but in a weird way, I can't help but feel that I said everything. I wanna be with somebody that I wanna be with. Beyond the general chemistry that I'm referring to, which I think is very important, there is really something to this synergy perspective. Synergy is about value creation, right? Beyond just a general level of cohesion that's provided by chemistry, I think that I can create value with. I'm not trying to be out here in a relationship Uh, being super selfish and just serving me and just doing things that are good for me and and promote my own well-being. My relationship isn't just supposed to be to my benefit. You get what I'm saying? It's also supposed to be a vehicle that God can work through to do all kinds of cool things. Again, value creation, right? So to that end, beyond just being a dope friend and being a spiritually inclined woman, You have to be a great partner, and you got to be a great partner for me. Lots of people are dope friends. Lots of people are spiritually inclined, and lots of people are, I won't even say lots of people, many people are great partners, but you have to be a great partner for me. We have to have synergy. The same for play-play. Anyway, who would have thought finance would ever help me make sense of my social life? I stand by what I said, though. I think synergy, both chemistry and value creation, is everything. But just another essay with some random thoughts.